uh, not seeing is believing. Look, I promise, I promise you, I did not know where these sermon titles were going to go when we started John back in, for me, February. Started preaching on John, end of January, first of February. But they've just, they've just rolled this way. This is the way they've, uh, they've come out. And this morning, so we've done seeing is believing, we've done believing is seeing, we've talked about believing is obeying, and worshiping is obeying, and obeying, and, but this morning, not seeing is believing. The continuation of our Truth to Believe series through John. We have a truth to believe. And not seeing is believing. And we're going to see that from Scripture this morning. Our memory verse, uh, we need to recite that together. There are a couple of extra blanks there. Let's see what we can do. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. My Father is... Glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. John 15, 5, and 8. It's glorified. That's the blank that I missed. Huh? You weren't sure you had it? Me either. Uh, I had to wait until Etta said it. Not seeing is believing. I've got a little video to show you. Um... The, the, the sound is sort of important. You'll actually get the video even if, it, if you can't hear it or can't understand, him, uh, understand what's going on well. You will still you'll get the gist of it uh, when, you, when you see the video. All right, that, yeah, all those soldier coming home videos get you. It's just, it's just the nature of them. Uh, push pause. There you go. That particular program, you have to do it just right, or that thing will loop throughout my entire sermon. Um, they always get you. This one, as, you know, just give you a little backstory. Some of it was obvious. He... The, the son was at Taekwondo practice and doing a, a, a blindfold drill. Uh, I don't even know if that's a real thing or if they just set it up for this day. And his dad comes in, had been deployed for 10 months, I think, uh, if I re- remember correctly, in Syria. And son didn't know he was coming home. And they're sparring for the first 20 seconds of the video. And then, I don't know if you could hear it, the dad says, come on, Chip, put hands up. And that's when he paused for a second. It turns out, Daddy was the only one that calls him Chip. So that got his attention, and then Daddy says it again and talks a little bit more, and you see the rest of the video. Now, the boy obviously couldn't see because of the blindfold. He, he was literally blindfolded, didn't know who he was sparring with until he heard the voice. We're going to see in our scripture this morning, Mary couldn't see because of her grief until she heard the voice. The reality for us is we can't see because of our sin until we hear the voice. But then we hear that voice. We hear that voice call to us to say things like, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We hear the voice that says, Come and find rest for your soul. We're blinded by things. Our big idea this morning, 
because of the empty tomb and the call of Jesus, we can believe and be saved. We're looking at John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18 this morning. And we're going to read it all so we can get the whole story. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, he didn't cry, I don't think. <laughs> turning around to him, as turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Not seeing is believing. I don't want to get ahead of myself, because I, I can. It's, I, I love the ending, but we got to work through it. We get to the tomb on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, and it doesn't, Scripture doesn't say, and, and I had never thought about this until this week, and I read people smarter than me. Notice it doesn't say on the third day. It says the first day of the week. They still, and in, in, as John writes this some 30 or 40 years after the resurrection, they had begun to call it the three days after, but they weren't even reckoning, but as he writes the, the history of the moment, they weren't reckoning it as three days from the crucifixion. That still hadn't settled in their head that, and I will rise on the third day. For them, it's just the first day of the week. For us, it would be Monday. It's their Monday. It's Sunday. It's what we call it. But it was just their first day of the week. They were getting ready to go back to work. It was, it was just, it was, it was the Mondays. And they had a big old case of the Mondays. Because their Savior had been killed. Their teacher for three years was dead. And now they had to go back after their Sabbath, after they had not done anything all day, that silent Saturday, they get up on Sunday morning and are supposed to just get back into the normal routine of things. The fishermen go fishing and, and uh, whatever other jobs other people had, they just go back to the jobs. Most of the city did. Most, the rest of the world did. It was just another first day of the week. But Mary goes to the tomb. 
I think the first thing we need to see in this passage as we know and we come to believe what we cannot see, we need to acknowledge the confusion. It's, there's confusion in verses 1 and 2. She goes to the tomb, she, she gets there early, it's still dark, the stone's moved, the body's gone. She's confused because, as I said, it's, it's the first day of the week, it's a case of the Mondays. They didn't think he would die. Yes, he said he was going to die over and over and over. And we're never really given an explanation as to why they didn't believe. And I don't know that they didn't believe. One good thought is they thought it was another parable. He had taught in parables so often that it was just a parable that I'm going to die. But whatever the reason, it, it never got through to them that he was actually going to die. They were still looking for an earthly king, and they, they thought they had had him last Sunday. A week ago, he rides in to Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're praising him, this is it. And the leaders thought, uh-oh, this is it. You know, everybody thought that the king was coming that day, the earthly king, the political king, and all that came to a tragic halt Friday afternoon. Maybe he's not who we thought he was. Yeah, they've been told, they just didn't get it. So Sunday morning she gets to the tomb, and now the body's gone too. Insult to very literal injury. Somebody's taken the body away. Nothing's right at this point in her life. Nothing makes sense. As we see in just a, a minute, she goes and she gets Peter and John. They're not apparently at work either. They, they had a case of the Mondays and they just decided to stay in. She knew exactly where to get them. They were close together, but they, it doesn't seem like they were together Nothing fit. And, and, and you can imagine her, her trying to put it all together. And, and as she runs to get Peter and John, replaying everything, probably from the last three years, certainly from the moment she met Jesus. And there are debates as to who Mary Magdalene was, because as I was talking with someone this morning, he looked, there are as many as six to nine Marys mentioned in the New Testament. And uh, depending on whether some last names are, go with this one or the, they, they repeat and when they don't use the last name. So we don't, we're not incredibly sure which Mary is which and what happened to which one. Regardless, she had been through some stuff over the last three years or so. You can imagine her replaying all of that. But he said this, and he said this. And he, he, he spoke to us, the women, like we were important. Not, not separate, not, not less than, but he, he looked at me. He talked to me. He, he was not like anybody. We, this doesn't make sense. My, I, I thought I knew where life was going and now I don't because everything I thought is not anymore. The very same thing is true for our lives. We, prior to Jesus, usually don't come to the tomb confused we we come to the next day we come to our own mondays confused life's just not making sense it's it's harder than we thought it would be this this was not expected that was not expected yes i brought this on myself yes i knew better but still why couldn't it work out better or these things i didn't bring on myself they were just bad things that happened life stinks a lot of the time 
and we bring that confusion, and it's just a natural part of life. Maybe we do come to the tomb. We come to church. We come to Scripture. And we're confused. Wait, Jesus said this, and then he said that. And then he, then he said the other thing, and that, wow, that's, that's even harder than this other thing he said. And then he said, do this, and then don't do that. But how do those two things work together? This, this is hard. This is, this is confusing. Do we know that any of this is true? Do we know that the tomb was truly empty? If, if you missed... Dr. Jamie Dew last weekend, let me encourage you to go to our Facebook page or our YouTube page and watch those services. He's much better at doing this than me, but he, he answered some really hard questions like, is there a God? Does he exist? Is the resurrection true and therefore is Jesus truly divine? And how can God be good if there's evil in the world? hard questions that I'm not going to try to answer this morning. I don't have time even if I wanted to. But we acknowledge that we struggle with those questions, that those are hard questions. And then on top of it, Jesus says just hard things. Love your enemy. Who's my neighbor? Your enemy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Give up everything you own, leave father and mother to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. These are hard. And so we wake up in the mornings with the case of the Mondays and let's today acknowledge that following Jesus is not easy. Understanding scripture is not easy. Being a believer isn't easy. Let's acknowledge that. Just like Mary had to acknowledge it that morning. She went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, the, the one Jesus loved, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. We don't have a clue. She didn't know what else to do. Number two, as we come to the passage this morning, we need to see what isn't there. Verses 3 through 10 interrupt our Mary story. This, is, this passage is about Mary, and it is a, an incredibly intricate weave of narration that John does here. This is just the power of the Holy Spirit that he can take what we're probably, at least we see that the... the uh, chief priests, the leaders, considered these guys uneducated. We read about it in Acts when they stand before them, when Peter and John stands before them. Consider them uneducated, they, and they weren't highly educated. They knew the basics, and that was it. And he weaves this narrative that truthfully is hard to preach. As I prepared this week, I was like, no, I need to do the order doesn't work as well. It doesn't flow the way I would want it to flow. And we're going to have to do the beginning of the passage and jump down to the bottom, then go back up to the middle and then do the end. Like, no, let's do it the way John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to write it. So interjected in this story of Mary Magdalene is Peter and John, the other disciple, the disciple who Jesus loved. We're just going to call him John because that's easier. Mary didn't look in the tomb. Notice that in verses 1 and 2. She didn't look in. She saw that the tomb was, uh, the, the stone was removed. And so she assumed Jesus wasn't there. There was no other reason for that stone to be moved. She made that assumption based on the stone. So she runs off. She tells Peter. Goes to, looks like she goes to his house first or wherever he was. Then they go to John and tell him. And the three of them take off back to the tomb. John runs faster. We like to say that John's bragging here. Just a little thing. And I ran faster than Peter. Neener, neener, neener. No, it actually has nothing to do with who was faster. It has to do with what happens next. They run to the tomb John gets there first, 
but for whatever reason, he couldn't go in. Was he deferring to the older Peter, the the acknowledged leader of the disciples, even after just the night before he's denied Jesus three times? Gosh, what was Peter thinking at this point? Just a few hours ago, he denied he ever knew Jesus. Three times. Now, Mary comes and gets him out of his recliner, where he was probably watching infomercials, because that's the only thing that he could watch and and be brain dead looking at, because he just did not want to. And she knocks on the door. The body's gone. What? They run. John gets there. John stops. He looks in. Stoops down, he, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Peter, in Peter fashion, barrels in there to see what. I, I, I just I assume he almost pushed him out of the way. Because he is always going to run headlong into whatever's happening. That's Peter, and that's one of the reasons we love him. And it's described here what what Peter sees. So as it's described, John looks in and he sees the linen cloths. So he's the, the, the tomb entrance would have been probably about this tall. Now back then they were shorter than me, but they still had to stoop to go in. So John has been over to look. And he sees in there the linen cloths. He just, that's all he sees lying there. It's clear there's no body in them, but he sees the cloths. Peter comes in and goes into the tomb. And so we get now Peter's description of what he saw. Verse, I don't have my glasses on. Six. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. It's twice now we've heard the linen cloths are lying there. The wrapping that had been on, verse 7, the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Much has been made of what that means, uh, what that face cloth was. Uh, Most... Scholars think it was the thing that was wrapped around his head to keep his jaw shut. It's, it, I, I think I've talked about this before in a sermon. It's, it's what Marley was wearing in A Christmas Carol when he comes to see Ebenezer Scrooge. And he takes it off and his mouth falls open. They, they, they tied the mouth shut so that it, uh, well, kept the jaw closed. That was not just... Not just Right with the cloths, it was off to the side somehow, rolled up. Or What all of that told Peter immediately, John as well, was that it was no grave robbery or location. That linen was actually valuable. If they were going to rob the grave, they would have snuck in, taken everything out, and gone. They wouldn't have taken time to unwrap him. And if they had taken time to unwrap him, they certainly wouldn't have laid those cloths back where he was lying. It's, it, the, the, the image that we have is that those cloths were just right there where the body had been, and, and that head wrapping, as if it, someone had stood up and, and then taken that off and rolled it up and set it down. Peter gets in there, and he just kind of stares. As the uh, uh, account goes, he, he at some point came out and told John what he saw, but we have no other comment. We, Peter actually never says anything in the story. Peter stares, and now John goes in, verse 8, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in saw, and believed. It's an interesting little sentence. John, who's writing this, the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who's writing this, doesn't tell us what he saw when he went into the tomb, 
nor does he tell us what he believed. And there's actually debate over what he believed at this point. Uh, we can ask generally three things that he might have believed. First, did he believe Mary at this point that the body had been taken? He looked in, he saw, and believed that the body was gone. It's possible. Did he believe what Jesus had told him they would believe back in John 14? Now, interestingly, if, if we had had a different time span to do John, we would have read uh, John 15, well, 16, 17, 18, and 19 before we got to this passage. But in God's providence, the last sermon I preached was actually on John 14. We read John 14, y'all read John 15, though I didn't preach on that passage last Sunday. The last thing we talked about was John 14. Back in John 14, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says to the disciples, You have heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. Is that what John believed at this point? Did he believe by his own testimony that, that, God had, uh, that Jesus had gone to the Father, that that's what's happened here, it's, that's, that's a possibility. Or at this point, did he believe in the resurrection? Did he believe that Jesus had truly risen from the grave? I don't generally like to preach... Uh, and, and bring, when I preach, I don't like to bring in too much of the other places where the same story is told. I believe that we can take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we can create a timeline that, where everything that each one describes fits perfectly based on the perspective of the author. So I'm not here to, to synchronize those, or that's not the word I want. What's the word when you... Uh, I've lost it. No, no, when you take the Gospels and you, uh... yeah, it starts with sis something. Anyway, I'm wasting time. Um, there's a word for it. Somebody will find it and holler it out in a minute. Uh, when you, I'm not here to do that, but every other Gospel tells us that the disciples were all confused. None of them got it. As a matter of fact, the next uh, the next verse says, For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So what did John believe? We don't know exactly. It's possible he believed the resurrection, that he got it. It's most likely that he was thinking back to what Jesus had taught them just the night before, because they talked a lot about belief. Believe, believe, believe. The, the uh, one way, harmonize. Thank you. Nobody said it. Uh, harmonizing the Gospels. That's the word I wanted. Y'all don't care. Um, it's possible that he believed the resurrection because every time John uses the word believe in his Gospel, it is much stronger than just believe something that was said. It's believe in Jesus. It is believe for salvation. So, unless it's Jesus talking. It's, so, it, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer. I don't think we can answer it completely. But we know John understood something. He believed something. And why? Because he saw what wasn't there. He went in after Peter. We're not told what Peter thinks. But we're told that John sees uh, something. Here's the other thing. He doesn't say what he saw. Did he see the linens that Peter saw and the, the face cloth off to the side wrapped up? 
Or did he see what Mary's going to see here in just a minute? He doesn't tell us. What he does tell us, though, is he believed. And he believed based on what wasn't there. He knew without a doubt there was no body. And he also knew, based on his own description here, the reason they're telling it, he's telling us this this way is because this was no grave robbery or relocation. This was something else. Yeah, I believe the body's not there, but I also believe there's something deeper going on here. Okay? Folks, today in 2023, as we celebrate the resurrection, we have to see what isn't there. We celebrate the empty tomb. It's why we have church on Sunday. Certainly why we have church this Sunday, but it's why for 2,000 years this has been the Lord's day. Because of the empty tomb. Because of the resurrection. And we, 2,000 years later, aren't going to get what Mary gets in just a few minutes. And the disciples get over the course of some 40 days where they have opportunities to see the resurrected Jesus and talk to him. See him ascend into heaven. We don't get any of that. We, today, in Sulphur, Louisiana, have to see what isn't there. You have the opportunity next February to go on a trip to the Holy Land with uh, First Baptist Pineville and anybody else who wants to go, but they're organizing the trip. And you, on that trip, should you go, and if it's not this one, maybe it's the next one, you will get to go to, as best we can figure, the tomb where they laid Jesus. Do we know it for 100% certainty? No. But what we do know is that tomb, which just a few years after the crucifixion was traditionally held to be the tomb Jesus was laid in, we know that in that tomb ain't nobody been there for over 2,000 years. We can't go to the tomb and see the body. We have to go to the tomb and see what isn't there. And what isn't there is the body of Jesus. And therefore, today, right now, we have to decide what we believe about those left-behind linens and the empty tomb. Because at this point, 2,000 years later, we take on faith. Yes, we can go to the empty tomb. The linens are even gone now. I wonder what they did with the linens. I really do. I was thinking about this earlier in the week. What, did, they, did they go and gather them up? It doesn't say anything about it. So we are completely speculating here. I would, surely that was like the first thing they did. On the other hand, they may have been, they didn't have these sort of forensic ideas, but they may have sort of treated it like a crime scene. No, 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 leave the linen so that when they say we came and took the body, they, nope. Don't know. So all we have today is an empty tomb. Scripture, testimony, plenty of eyewitness testimony, more eyewitness testimony than we have for, say, like Lincoln's assassination, which we all believe happened. I guess. There might be some conspiracy theorists. No, Lincoln's still alive. He wouldn't still be alive. Anyway. But all we have is an empty tomb. So we have to decide today what we're going to do with that empty tomb. We have to decide today what we're going to do with what isn't there. The next thing we have to do is acknowledge the pain and the hurt. Verses 11 through 15, now we're back to the story of Mary. The disciples leave. Verse 10, they're they're gone. And based on what we have, regardless of what John believes, he didn't share it with Mary. It didn't look like, if, if he did, it wasn't that Jesus was alive. But he didn't record talking to her at all. What we have recorded is that Peter went in, John went in, they looked, no conversation, and the two disciples go home. And they leave Mary there at the tomb. 
Peter goes home amazed. That's what other uh, gospel, I believe Luke says. He was amazed, shocked, surprised, in awe. He tells us nothing about what he thought, just tells us his facial expression. And Mary stands there with no explanation or help. She's heard all the teachings. She knows exactly what the disciples know. But she's left at the tomb. And so, she stood at the tomb crying, verse 11 says. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. No conversation. Peter and John didn't say what they saw. So now her curiosity gets the best of her. What's going on? They just walked away. She's still confused, probably experiencing more hurt because they looked in and just left. So she looks into the tomb too. She looks through puffy, swollen, tear-filled eyes. And Scripture says she sees angels. Now, was this a vision? Well, pretty much all angels are visions to some degree. But there were angels sitting in the tomb. Did she see the linens? Did she see the cloth? Doesn't say. That, that, you can imagine that's not the, the thing that would have captured her attention. Uh, it would be the glowing angels. Uh, my question is, did John see the angels too? He looked in, saw, and believed. What did he see? He didn't tell us. Did he just see the cloths when he went in? He looked in and saw the linens when he got there. Then he went in, saw, and believed. Mary now looks in and she sees angels. Why, woman, why are you crying? I guess it's possible she didn't know they were angels. But maybe... She should have questioned, how did these two people get in there? I was standing right here. Peter and John were standing right here. And there. We don't have confusion on her part. We don't have her acknowledging. Any other time angels show up, what do people do? They fall down in fear, and they have to say, do not be afraid. She just she sees the angels, and they say, woman, why are you crying? And she says, not Oh my goodness, angels are talking to me. She says, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And as the scripture describes it, she says those words to these angels. She has stooped down, she's crawled in, she's looked. Angels, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. And she gets up and she walks out. Y'all, we can never understand until we've been through it how blinding pain, hurt, loss can be. In any other situation, she would have been floored by these angels. In this situation, she's, it's like she's just having a conversation with somebody that popped in. They've taken my Lord, and I don't know what they've done with him. And she leaves. She hurts for her loss. When she turns around, she sees a man standing there. Like our video. Just, she thinks it's just a guy, just somebody who's there. She thinks it's the gardener, so she looks for help uh, from him. If you've taken him, tell me, and I'll, I'll, I'll get him. But, but he says first, first, right? Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're seeking? It is not uncommon. The, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the, the disciples there at the end of John, when they see a man cooking, uh, standing on the shore, over and over we see times when they see Jesus, they see the risen Jesus, and they don't know who he is. So it, does that speak to his resurrected body? Did he look that different? Did, or, or were they just blinded by their grief? 
I think, at least in her case, and I believe it was in other cases too, they are so blinded by their grief. She is so blinded by her grief that she can't see the truth literally standing in front of her. And don't think you're any better. Because with the sort of confusion and hurt that she was going through, nothing made sense. So even if the briefest thought went through her head, hey, this guy kind of looks like Jesus. <laughs> Moron. Boy, you're seeing Jesus everywhere now that he's gone, aren't you? Just tell me where he is, and I'll go get him. We know that sort of pain. It, it, many of us have been through it at the loss of a loved one or some tragic event in our lives. We also just know the pain of the hole in our souls. The pain of knowing that there's a gap there that nothing we put in there can fill. Nothing can answer. Nothing can make us whole. Nothing can fill the hole, H-O-L-E, and make us whole, W-H-O-L-E. Stupid English. Nothing. We know the search. Some of us look for it in drugs. Some of us look for it in alcohol. Some of us look for it in sex. Some of us look for it in anger. Some of us look for it in pride. Some of us look for it in materialism. We have all these ways we think we're going to fill the hole, and all it does is hurt more. And then, on top of that, we are so blinded by our sin, which, yeah, that encompasses most of what I just said, if not all, that we can't see Jesus when he's standing right in front of us. If you don't believe me, how many times did you hear the gospel message before you responded to it? Some of you as a child, you may have heard it from the time you were in a crib in the church to the time you were 8, 9, 10 years old, whatever, when you came to Christ. Some of you heard it for 20, 30, 40 years and didn't respond maybe on up into your 70s because we are so blinded by our sin that we can't see Jesus until until verse 16 he talked to her he said things to her it was his voice i don't think he disguised his voice i don't think he said it differently he just talked to her, but he, she did not hear him until she heard her name. Number four, hear your name. Jesus calls her by name. Mary. Mary. All he had to say was her name. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him, turning around. Get this picture again. She's in the tomb. Angels are in there. Woman, why are you crying? They're taking my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And she leaves. She turns around. Short conversation. I ain't got time for you. I got things to do. She comes out. She sees the gardener. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Not what is it you're looking for. Who is it you're looking for? They've taken the body of my Lord, and I don't know. No, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. I'm going to assume she was looking at him when she answered the question. She saw him. Who you looking for? Look, if you've taken him, tell me where. And she turns away. She's off. She's gone. She's got to figure this out. Y'all, you will never figure out the problem in your life. You'll never figure out the sin problem. You'll never find the fix, the ultimate fix. You're not going to. She turns to go fix the problem, and Jesus has to call her back. He doesn't say, hey, I know where the body is. Or nothing like that. No, no explanation. He just calls her name. She's not looking at him. She's not seeing him. But when she hears her name called, 
Mary. She turns back. Jesus has already told them, my sheep know my voice. She knew the voice of her shepherd. Her name from his mouth pierces the pain, the hurt, the anguish, the confusion, the the Mondays no longer matter because she has heard the voice of her Savior call her name. It breaks through the confusion and unbelief. It breaks through and brings to mind the promise that he's going to rise again. She hears her name and she knows that's Jesus. Not gone to be with the Father, as he said in verse 14. Not yet. He's on his way. He's working on it. It's, kind of, it's going to be 40 days, but in Scripture, it's kind of all one event. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Just all one long, 40-day long event. And she remembers. And she says to him, Rabboni, teacher. And she does exactly what the kid does when he takes off the blindfold. She she does what's described in one of the other Gospels. They run and they fall at his feet and grab him. And he says, don't cling to me. Not don't touch me. They're going to touch his wounds. He's going to eat with them. It's not about that he's got to go to the Father and, and get something and come back. It's none of that. It's, I know what you want. You, you want me to stay now. Don't cling to me. This isn't what's next. What's next is I'm going. And, and send in the comforter that I told you about last night. But don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my Father. The, this is just far, part of the process. And the process isn't done yet. But he called her name. John 6, 44 says no one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him, unless your name is called. John 14, 6 says no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You want to get to the Father, you have to go through Jesus. You want to come to Jesus, it won't happen until the Father calls you. Until you hear your name called. Today... I believe that Jesus is calling every name in here. Every name listening online. Whether you're doing it live right this second or I'm talking to you weeks from now. The Father is calling your name. The question is, will you hear it? You can't see him. But you have got to Trust that not seeing is believing. You can't see him, but you hear the call. And some of you want to deny the call, deny that you're hearing anything because you can't see it. Y'all, not seeing isn't, uh, is believing. See what isn't there. A bodily person standing in front of you. You can't see him, but you can see where he no longer is. Not seeing is believing. Like John, believe. Like Mary, believe. I can't make Jesus appear right here in bodily form to prove to you that he's alive. But folks, when he was alive teaching for three years... Countless people didn't believe. They saw the miracles. They heard the teaching. They sat with him. They ate with him. And they still didn't believe. So even if I could make him appear, it might not make a difference. No one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. This morning, you need to know that not seeing is believing. And you need to believe. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have salvation through the risen Son. We know He's risen because He appeared to some 500 people 
over the course of 40 days. The tomb is empty. The linen cloths were there. And this morning, he calls you by name. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will pierce the confusion. I will take the hurt and pain. If you will just believe. Lord Jesus, we thank you that by your work, by your work on the cross that you finished, and by the resurrection where you proved the finished work, we can have salvation. Lord, may we hear your name, you call our name this morning. It may be that, Jesus, you call our name for salvation this morning, and we need to respond in faith, believe in our hearts that Jesus... Uh, Jesus is Lord and uh, confess with our mouths that God has raised him from the dead. That might be what needs to happen, but we may need to just believe your promises this morning. Believers that want the proof, that want the evidence, that don't understand, or are just stuck in some confusion of life or sin of the flesh, and we need to hear your voice call us once again, Michael and we turn to you and say, teacher. God, you know what each heart needs this morning. You know what name to call and what to call that name to. I leave it in your hands, but I trust, I pray, I hope that each one of us would respond as you are calling. And we respond in faith as we worship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So maybe your next step is to accept Christ as Savior, to believe. Maybe it is to follow in obedience and baptism like Miss Jerry did. There's no barrier that can't be crossed. Your age, your ability, or how long ago maybe you should have been baptized and haven't been. There's no barrier. Maybe you need to hear the call and conform your life to Christ. Submit to God's plan. Join our church. Whatever it is, I'll be up here at the front on my right. I'd love to pray with you, discuss something with you if you have questions. Chelsea will be to my left. Justin will not. He's up in the booth this morning. Lee and Kirk, two of our deacons, would love to pray with you. They'll be in the back. Whatever your decision is, maybe you just want to come up here and make an altar of this stage. Pray to the Lord. Just you and him. Worship this morning. Respond to this morning. Hear your name called and turn and say, Teacher. As we sing, let's stand, worship as the Lord does business with us and calls our name.